Hey guys, welcome to our program, Small Town World, where we talk about world issues from a small town perspective through a biblical lens. Our aim is to spotlight Jesus Christ and spread the gospel while discussing relevant topics we all face day to day. Today we're going to dive in to feminism. Um, I asked Kayla what she thought about feminism and she said, well, we might as well. We've said a, <laughs> we've done a whole lot of other offensive things. We might as well jump into that one. <laughs> so um, I'm going to read a question. It, well, it's not really a question. Why I see the current state of feminism as a problem. Yeah. Uh, it seeks to destroy all distinctions between the roles of women and men. Um, we must now have a homogenous society. and wants to do away with the biblical role of husband and wife. And that's why I see uh, feminism as a problem. I put feminism equals rebellion against God. Would you agree? Current feminism. Let me backtrack and yes. say current feminism. The current yeah, state of feminism. So much the point of the things that I read is just understanding that the 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 root of um, the movement to bring equality into the workplace, bring equality mm-hmm. into government, bring um, equality, you know, economically. That those, you know, like you and I talked about. I'm so thankful that I have the right to vote. Yeah. I'm so thankful that I can own my own land and a business if I choose to. and Inherit property. Yeah, and all those things that were fought for on our behalf. But when you, when you consider the term feminism today, it has a, essentially a completely different connotation yeah. than it did years ago. Yes. When those women fought for those things. Those important things. I'm going to read a little bit about first wave through the fourth wave. The first wave was turn of the century, 20th century, um, and that was basically legal work, um, attempting to secure the right to vote. There uh, there were those things. Also, um, to inherit property, that was one of the issues, um, and be a landowner, all of those things you right. just said. Second wave was a period of time, the 60s, they said through the 80s, um, and that was the sexual revolution. That was... Um, the right to have an abortion. That was an increase in equality um, to help the poor and minority women. The third wave was the 90s, and they most of the definitions said until 2010. One said till 2008. Um, this is where the belief of intersectionality came into play. Mm. Um, the layers of oppression for women uh, that continued to fight. Um, this was the beginning of exposing sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, fourth wave, they say, began in 2010 to the present. Um, this was stopping abusers in power. This was the empower- empowerment of women, greater representation of women, including trans women. Uh, freedom of expression was the term used a lot in the definitions I read through that. And this one definition said this is where social media came into play and hashtag feminism came mm. to life. I want to point out that fourth wave, from everything that I read, was very global. It was it was worldwide, much yes. more so than these others that really were isolated in America, a right. lot of Which them. Which is really what social media has done for almost every issue. Yeah, yeah. That it has shrunk the world to such a point that there are so very few um, issues that are isolated within one country that they are essentially now global things that... It, Yes. Humanity is dealing with. Yes. Um, so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to describe um, toxic masculinity as described by the Oxford Dictionary. 
It's a set of attitudes and ways of behaving stereotypically associated with or expected of men regarded as having a negative impact on men and society as a whole. So um, I'll just read you a little quote. It said, the destructive messages associated with toxic masculinity can lead to men feeling entitled to engage in violence against women. Um, Over time, that's changed. Um, They became equated. The um, being masculine is toxic, basically. Right. So it it went from those elements of abuse, right, a good to thing. Basically, any man that acts or looks like a man, right, now is considered toxic. Yes. So those two terms became equated. Right. So now you can't hear, um, and you hear people say mansplaining, like he has to talk down to you and explain to you because you're not smart enough to understand. So those type of things. Um, are also associated with toxic masculinity. Um, uh, Any form of trying to protect a woman is, is, I'm just, I'm thinking through in my mind some other things that are considered. Yes. Any chivalry. Yes. Yes. It's considered, you know, yeah, you can't open the door for a woman. You can't, you know, I think about the little uh, cartoons. Remember when the guy used to throw his coat over the puddles in the cartoons and the woman could walk over? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, heavens no. Oh, heavens no. Not today. Not today. From a biblical perspective, some, some things that, yes, uh, ways that, that feminism attacks the church um, have to do with the language of God used in the Bible. They attack the fact that um, masculine pronouns are used for God, that God is calls himself Father. Yeah. Um, the, that's one of the things. The... the ordination of merit of women uh female submission in marriage and then what we know uh they call reproductive rights which is just yeah what is basically just a euphemism for a- abortion yeah now yes i wrote i wrote some of the same things um i put let me let me tell you my thoughts that i yeah thought and wrote um that feminism ultimately rises out of humanism mm. Exactly. It's a belief that they that we have a right to autonomy, that no one should have authority over our body, not even God. And we must be internally good on our own to give ourselves that kind of power and those kind of rights. I put that it's the supreme arrogance. Yeah. That, uh, and what I, on the, the other side of that, I put, it's not about me. Mm. It's not about what I deserve, what I think I need, what I want, what I think I have a right to. But that that is an exact opposition to feminism. Yes, ultimately it really is. Um, feminism is now a social identity and it's also a political movement. One author pointed out that in order for feminism to continue and thrive, we must keep telling women that they are the victim. Mm. And so it creates a victimhood mentality in women and then then it ultimately it creates the victimhood into it does it, it it's such an entanglement because right. it creates the victimhood mentality but then it gives you you know feminism is supposed to be empowerment right. so then it gives you um those uh feelings of empowerment that you have to rise above join the movement and rise above and one of the things i read had to do with how what an oxymoron that is because oftentimes a very militant um, movement begins to happen or, or the way they described it was just the, then the, what used to be a masculine trait that, that militant feminist often takes on that kind of persona. Yeah. I wrote that down too. the radical feminism movement. Yeah. That they, they begin those things that they don't like in men. Right. Those are the very things that they, um, portray. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They adopt those qualities 
to um, exercise their points. Right. Um, so women were first given the right to vote in 1920 by the ratica- ratification of the 19th Amendment. I'm going to kind of go through the history. Then Roe v. Wade was legalized in 1973. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes through our first wave, second wave, yeah. third wave. Uh, women's, live mo- women's liberation movement. Um, this was active during the 1960s and 70s and sought to free women from oppression and male supremacy. I just had this thought that, you know, as we've been talking weeks, gosh, probably months ago when we first started talking about the progressive movement and some of these ideologies that have made their way into the church. And and when you think back about it, uh, the decades, you know, when you Mm -hmm. think back, that these things started happening at the same time. Oh, yeah. That these, this 1960s-ish, this is really when those progressive ideals began to make their way into uh, a more more mainstream society. And I think there, there has to be, I'll have to give some more thought to that, but there has to be a connection between those two movements, you know, for Mm -hmm. them to have happened um, at the same time. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Well, you just see the work of, of the enemy in all of it. And I clearly see the work of the enemy in the feminist movement today. I just see it so clearly uh, that he wants to do away with gender. Right. We all need to be homogenous. We all need to be the same. And and society's adopting that. And you can see it in TV shows. You can see it in commercials. You know, any uh, clothing ads, clothing ads, everything that you see, um, you know, we just want to do away with with any sense of masculinity and any sense of feminism. Um, in everything and how that so goes against the design of God. I think that's the point that's as well. Exactly. That's why I put it equals rebellion against yeah, God. Yeah, because it just go, it so goes against the way that he designed us to be different. Had he wanted us to be the same, he would have made us the same. When you right. think about God's design and that he could have, he could have created us to reproduce any way oh, that absolutely. he wanted to make yeah. us reproduce. The fact yeah. that he chose for us to reproduce the way that that he did and the way that he designed the family to um, mirror our relationship with him, that ultimately all of that is um, yeah is being worked against. All of that is being worked to be destroyed, so that there is no longer that rep- that true representation of Christ and His church. Yeah, and family and family. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about frogs. Aren't frogs asexual? Oh, there's several. Species that yeah. are, yeah. Um, I don't even know if frogs are. I'm just. I know that there are animals that are. I remember that I, I from biology in high school. But I think I don't there know what are, they are breed are certain frogs. Yes, yeah, certain frogs, not breeds of frogs. Well, <laughs> species, species of frogs. Thank you. You're going into an area I don't know anything about. <laughs> Me <don't> either. <laughs> Clearly, don't know, but I do know that there are some frogs that can reproduce on their own. Um, only just from watching Jurassic Park. <laughs> I know that. I'm just going to go ahead and admit it. Probably a very factual documentary. I'm sure it's so true and and factual. Yeah. Um, uh, Radical feminism. This is a philosophy emphasizing the patriarchal roots of inequity between men and women. This view says that the patriarchy divides societal rights, privileges, and power along the lines of sex, and as a result, oppresses women and privileges men. So it went from the the women's liberation movement, um, which there were different fa- many different factions during that time, and that's a lot of what I read. But but then we had the rise of radical feminism, um, and now we have gender equality. And that's redefining femininity and masculinity. What we just said, overthrowing the roles of husband and wife. Um, 
I'm sure you wrote down Galatians 3.28 also. I don't even know what all I wrote. Well, I wrote it down, and I'll read it real quick. Oh, yeah. No, I wrote a different Galatians. Go ahead. Well, I wrote Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free man, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Is that 3.8 or 3.28? 3.28. What did I say? I thought you said 8, and that's why I was confused. Well, I probably did. Yes. (laughs) But it's 3.28. And then, I mean, just going all the way back to the beginning of God's Word. Yes. Genesis Genesis one twenty seven. God created mankind in His own image. He uh, he created in his, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. I had left a few words out. I had had to write them over to the side. But beyond that verse, it goes on to say that God blessed them. God saw everything He had made, and behold, it was very good. Yeah, it was good. When God saw that He had made the distinction between male and female, it pleased Him, and it was good. Yeah. And so, if you just know that fact and nothing else, yeah. God created a man. God created a woman. He made them distinct. He saw each of them, and he was pleased with it and knew that it was good. So now, when you evaluate any attempt Mm. to deflect that, to change that, to overthrow that, usurp that, then we have to be able to see that that's the work of the enemy, no matter what we call it. Right. When we see those attempts being made, to change what a what a, the definition of a man and the definition of a woman. Yeah. We can say that it's wrong. We don't have to have any further any, explanation. Right. There's no qualifications to it. We can't explain it away. We can't give any other reasonings for it. That's just a fact. Yeah. God created a man, God created a woman. He made them distinct in in many ways. And he, and he was pleased with it. Yeah. And so when we as a society try to, or now as a world, try to negate that, then then it's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's sin. It's sin. It's sin. And it completely go- goes against the design that he saw as good. Yeah. We should be bothered by that as the church. That's my point. We yes. should be affected by that as followers of Christ, and we should be able to discern that it's wrong no matter how good it looks, no matter how, no matter what sad story we hear about some person that thought they were a man, but they were really a woman, no matter what mm. sad story we hear about a kid that was bullied because they acted like a, a boy when they were really a girl. Yes, it's sad because sin is sad. Mm-hmm. And, and sin is hard, and sin breaks us, and sin makes us want things to be different, but it doesn't change that it's sin. And it's those, it's those stories, and it's those, um, gosh, I mean, I don't even know the right word for it beyond that, but it's those real things that are happening, those experiences, those yeah. true lived experiences of people that are making us second guess what we know to be true from God's Word. Yeah. And so we have to go back to that place where we set that stuff aside long enough to go back and say, okay, what does God actually say about it? Yeah. Okay, this is what he says. Okay, now how do I deal with it? Yeah. How do I deal with it in love? How do I show grace yes, and mercy? I was just about to say that. It's How it's, do I truly respond like Christ? Yeah, not being judgmental, right. not responding with judgment, but with love. But also not changing truth. But not changing truth. Right. right. Yeah. And that's the job of the church. That's what we are charged with today. Yeah. How do we do that? Because I mean, the... The answer when you disagree is, well, you're just judgmental. Right. Why are you so judgmental? Why can't you just love them for as, you know, love right. them as they are? And um, and we can say, because God's word says this. Right. We can rightly judge truth. 
rightly judge truth. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we talked about this, gosh, so long ago, right at the beginning, how truth does equal love. Yes. And it is because we love people that we don't want to see them living in sin, that we don't and want... staying in that state. To see them separated from God, that we don't want them living beneath what God designed them to be. Any of us. Right. Whether it's sexual identity or adultery or a bitter heart or whatever form it takes yeah as christ followers we are charged with um, bringing people the truth and the light and that's hard sometimes yeah well all the time yeah <laughs> um can we respect natural gen- gender differences not in today's culture today's culture seeks to obliter- obliterate um, any reference to gender differences even biological ones Agreeing with God's designated gender roles in marriage and the church is not sexism. On the contrary, it's obedience. I just thought about the, what the cisgender is that, isn't that the term? Where you identify as what right. you yes. actually are. What you actually are. And, that, and it's really categorized in one of the oppressor categories. So for me to be a female. And identify as a Identify female. as a female. Act like a female. That, You're intersectionally. <laughs> yeah, that I'm. Tru- There's layers of oppression. I'm truly, but you are I'm truly in that an oppressor. Category. Oh, oh, yeah. Whenever we, and all the more so if you're a male. Yeah. I mean, like, you're a complete. Yeah. You have no hope. You're like, you're completely. Yeah, you're toxic, you know. number one. Yeah. Immediately, you're toxic. And you're an oppressor. Yeah. Back up, be, because you are who God designed you to be. Right. And that's what it all boils down to. Yeah. That we are, as a society, having to now make some distinctions um, that God never intended us to have to make. Yeah. Did you know that the Senate panel in July voted to make women register with Selective Service for the draft? No. Yes. So, I just put, this is the current political and cultural climate that we're living in. I had read one um, blogger today who wrote, I will go to jail before my daughter has to register with Selective Service and be drafted drafted into into combat. Yeah, he said, I will go to jail. Uh, I read another article about, uh, in Seattle, Washington, a a doctor whose child had um, some mental health issues and was trying to kill himself, and so he took him to a mental health facility. He was uh, 17 years old, and he took him and admitted him to the mental health facility and um, in the a- at the age of 13, in the state of Washington, you can choose to change your gender. So they called him and told him that his son was now identifying as a girl and he needed to uh, take her to the gender clinic for gender reassignment. And he was distraught. He tried every day to talk to him. I mean, doesn't that, it just, that just sounds science fiction. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like oh, what yeah. you're saying just sounds... <laughs> I mean, like something out of a science yeah. fiction novel. Yes, yeah. yes. So he, uh, so I'll finish the story really quickly, but he uh, consulted a lawyer. He consulted another psychiatrist friend, um, and they told him, don't fight it. Go along with it because at the age of 13, they can legally choose. They, he was being sent emails. It was during COVID, and he couldn't actually see his son or talk to him. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, they said, go along. Go along. Say you're going to take him so what this man did uh essentially long story short is he went and got hit went along with it got his son out of the facility he had three other children he quit his job sold his home and they moved out of the state of washington two weeks later after they got the child they were out gone yeah uh, to another state 
um, where he, you know, number one, wouldn't have to go through the, sec- the, you know, gender reassignment. And then the follow-up interview, the child was fine and normal later. Um, so anyway, this is months, obviously, this was right. last year. So anyway, just scary, scary, scary. the times. And, and there were, during that same article, uh, they went through, uh, child after child after child in the state of Washington and in the state of California, um, they told story. After, I read about five different stories of right. similar activity. And you know, they're make it. It's actually now in many places against the law to even have those com- conversations with a person that believes themselves to be one way. Right. And you are trying to help them, show them. Yeah. You know, reach out to them, talk to them. And it's actually illegal to have a conversation that would make them question. Right. Yeah. Whether they. Oh, I read a lot of cases in. I had read those cases in Canada um, a few weeks ago of of um, people that had lost their children, uh, people who yeah, uh, who had just normal people living their life, yeah. and their children were taken away because they had those negative, like you said, negative conversations with their children. Right. And the About children, their sexuality. Yes, right. or their and the children assignment. told someone, uh, a, an, another adult, a teacher or somebody right. and in authority, and then they were taken away. Mm. Um, do, you wanna, do you have anything you want to go to? No, I definitely want you to... Um, I want you to read that little bit that you were talking about. I'd, really, the only other thing I want to talk about in a minute is just God's design for the family. Yes. You know? Well, I yes, and we want to go through that. Um, along the same vein, um, Abigail Schreier wrote a book called Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. Um, I'm going to say, I also want to say that she has, a, if you go on Substack, her um what is her, what is, anyway, the title of her thing where you can read her articles. She's a journalist. Okay. You can read her articles on Substack and her title is The Truth Fairy. So I really thought oh, that was really cute. Like her, her name or whatever her. Yeah. If you want to find her, you can Google Substack The Truth Fairy. Okay. Or look her up. Maybe not use Google, whichever search engine you use. <laughs> um, so this little particular excerpt was actually not out of her book. This is regarding something else, but um, she put the hyper polite fecklessness on both sides of the boat, the chest thumping ignorance on the other displayed by many conservatives citing uh, she named one a GOP senator from Oklahoma's passive response when questioned by the secretary uh, of health and hospitals about using the term birthing person instead of mother. And Langford said, we don't want to offend in our language. I get that. But would you at least admit that calling a mom a birthing person could be offensive to some moms? So that was Langford's response to um, the secretary of, uh, health and hospitals. Schreier snapped back. It's a clip worth watching because it exemplifies decades of Republican failure in culture wars that we've seen left leftists wipe the floor with them. If this is the best Republicans can muster, they deserve to be trounced over and over. Instead, she suggested asserting mothers are not birthing people and to call us that is a disgrace. To refuse to call us mothers is an abomination. Sex-based rights are not yours to give away. 
And if Republicans can't say that, they should pack up their things. At least they won't be in the way, she continued. The last thing Americans need right now is more wallpaper to cover the cracks. Time to toss out the all shucks conservatism of navy blazers and boat shoes. That sort of thing. Uh, believing matching jammies on Christmas suffices to save a country on the brink. That approach may have excelled when churches and civil society were strong. Um, and conservatives only needed to get married, raise a family, and perform the simple heroism of showing up. Today, it's a loser. So she did not mince words. She no. was really attacked the Republican Party for their lack of standing up for right. her. If they claim to be conservatives, was her point. Right. If you're claiming to be a conservative, stand up and be a conservative yeah. and speak the truth. And not in a, um, like she said, all shucks way. Right. Stand up and say, no, we're not taking it. We're done. But and, and know the truth. Know the truth and then speak the truth. I think that's what we're asking our political leaders to do. I think that's what we're asking our churches to do. That's what we're asking just society to, to do. You know, so, so many of us believe the same way. Yeah. But until we use our voice, you know, we've said over and over again, it's the loudest voice that's heard and just like that 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 mealy mouth I don't want to offend let me try to say it the right way so that I can get my point across it it isn't going to get it anymore yeah we're going to have to come to a place where we where we know the truth where we agree upon the truth and then where we speak the truth yeah and um you know when when you when you evaluate what scripture says about the family and the roles of husband and wife, you know, I've known um, just being in the church all my life, I know a lot of women have struggled with what scripture specifically says about the role of women. Um, one, one point that I read, though, was that we, we can't have a philosophy and then try to use scripture to back it up. Mm. We've got to know scripture and then we've got to build our philosophy Based upon scripture. Based upon that. And so, you know, it is hard sometimes to accept some of the things that God says about our role in the family and in, in the church as well. Yeah. But when you know God's heart and when you know um, the purpose and when you know the truth about how God established it and why, and you already have that theology, then you can build a philosophy based on that. But when, you, when we go at it the other way, well, then it doesn't match up. When we go at it thinking that we should be able to do the exact same thing as men, we should be able to have all the same rights, we are we are just the same, and then you try to match that with Scripture, well, it doesn't match up. Oh, well, then we've got to switch things around. We've got to change what Scripture really must really mean by mm-hmm. that. Rather than saying, okay, this is what Scripture says. Okay, it must mean this for me now, and, and now I'm going to build my life, my family, my theology based on that rather yeah. than the other way around. And so... Um, I think one of the the main things to remember is that just because our roles are different doesn't mean that one is better than the other. And I, th- I think oftentimes how thankful I am that God is such a God of order and that for the husband to, to be put as the head of the home, there's purpose in that. There is purpose in there being somebody in charge. Nobody, we've all worked at a place or been involved in something where you don't know who the boss is mm-hmm. and it's chaos because you don't know who's, who's doing what, whose role is what, how, how are things getting done? There has to be someone that has the final say 
for things to run smoothly. And yeah. so when you picture a home that way, that the fact that, um, that, that there's someone that um, is, is that head, is that covering, and that, you know, Scripture says that uh, Jesus submitted to God, man submits to Jesus, woman submits to man. There is an order in in that, and, and then there's purpose in it. And yeah. um, one of the things that I came across was, it was just a question that asked, um, are men and women equal in God's sight? And I think that we can unequivocally say yes. It's, it doesn't say men were created in the image of God, and then he created a woman. It says that men and women are created in the likeness of God. Yeah. Um, we have, we are all equal sinners. There is equal grace. There is equal forgiveness. There is equal gifting. Um, we are co-heirs with Christ. We, we are equal. So we're not talking about equality. We're talking about being given different roles. Roles, yes. Being gifted in ways that allow us to fulfill certain responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, when you think about a, a, a corporation or a business and gosh, or something as, as simple as our, the school system. You know, you have to have the superintendent. You have to have the principal. You have to have the teachers. You have to have um, the, the cafeteria workers. You have to have the custodians. Each of those people has a role to play or the job doesn't get done. Right. And within a family, when we're talking about raising kids and um, giving them everything that they need on, on both sides of that, from, from the mother and the father, um, there's purpose in God's design. And I think coming to terms with that, whether you completely understand it or not, really even whether you like it or not. Yeah. Just saying, okay, I see what Scripture says. I understand that God has made a distinction. I understand that He's given purpose to it. I'm not really sure I, I like it very much, but I accept that He's right and He's perfect. And now and I'm going to try to figure out what that means for me. Yeah. And we didn't even read this, Bob's Be Submissive to Your Husband first. <laughs> Or husband, love, love your wife as Christ loves the church, true, which follows true, right after true, that. True, 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 true. Uh, we, uh, I think we discussed everything that we needed to discuss today. Do you feel like we need to come back and address this again? Maybe it's another time. Maybe another time. <laughs> or we feel might. Like it's going to cross over somewhere else. Yeah. And there's a, a podcaster who does 10-minute talks. Uh, we might could maybe put together like three 10-minute talks, <laughs> and maybe that would be one of them. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us today, and we really appreciate it, and we'll see you all again next time.